This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Listen to my radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 a.m. till noon on Houston's Gospel Leader, KWWJ, 1360 a.m. and streaming live on kwwj.org. Listen on the legendary KYOK, 1140 a.m. and streaming live on kyokradio.org. KCOH, 1230 a.m., The Source, on San Geek Radio, 95.1 FM, 1460 AM. And Aliento Radio, 101.7 FM and 1540 AM. Call in at 832-570-8075 and follow me on social media. See you then. All right, Houston. This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia of A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer with another episode of A Tip from Gilbert. Go ahead and play a little bit of that through there, Mr. Producer. I want to again welcome our listeners to KWWJ. Keep walking with Jesus. I want to thank, of course, KYOK, the legendary KYOK, KCOH, the source. And then, of course, Aliento Radio and Sangeet Radio. And don't forget, I know, thank you, studio audience, I know we have a holiday today, but you can call in at 832-570-8075. We have a very special guest because, I will tell you, we've been in the news, the firefighters. Uh, And you know what? I see somehow, I don't know know the right phrase, a parting of the clouds. Like, finally some rational thought or something coming into play here. Not that the firefighters have been irrational because they've been rational for day one. We have Marty Langton, the head of the union here. Marty, say hello to Houston. Hello, Houston. How are you? Now, Marty has been on our show many times. And, excuse me, the great thing about Marty Langton is he will just tell it like it is. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. (coughs) Excuse me. You don't have to read between the lines. The great thing about Marty Langton, he's going to tell you. And if he's got an issue with you, he's going to come honestly and straight on. Instead of one of these backbiting and and he says something and then later he switches and flip-flops. And that's what I really admire you as a leader. And I think that's probably why the membership so admires you. Because you're just, you know, you're first class. So I want to say that to you personally. You know, that means a lot. I tell people all the time, you know, the right thing is supposed to matter. I don't think, uh, you know, Jesus, I don't think anybody uh, that has taught us to live a life of service says to do anything other uh, than to tell the truth and to work with people. But the truth is the truth, and I do believe the right thing always matters in the end. It's what are you willing to do to get to the end. Amen. Let's do it. Let's go ahead and cut off the music. Let's give me a little bit more volume there, Mr. Producer. And we will play the legendary Clark sisters at the end on victory, the song victory. But so Marty, before we go into some of the issues that I want to talk about, because the firefighters, I don't want to say the firefighters, but firefighter issues are in the news. Yes. Um, And it's not the firefighters. In many ways, it seems like the firefighters have been, um, I don't know, I don't want to say collateral damage, but somehow y'all just, I mean, y'all just done nothing but the right thing, but yet there's been all this angst and wasted money and wasted money and litigation and more litigation. And y'all have just been sitting there saying, let's work this out from the beginning. I remember you were on the show saying, uh, Mayor Turner, why don't we just get together and work this out? Remember you did that? I've done that Yeah, and continue. Yeah, well, before we go there, just remind me, so, where are you from again, Marty? I'm from born and raised in Houston, Texas. Were you really? Yep. Where'd you go? Look at that. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, straight Jesuit. Straight Jesuit. Oh, my God. It, I did not wear it, this red shirt. If you notice. To get his attention. He did that on purpose. No, He's I, got a St. Thomas Eagle shirt on, and I, the Jebby Eagle rivalry still exists. It does. But you know what? Uh, we love you, and we're brothers. I appreciate that. You know, I, I wore this red shirt because I was trying to find something very firefighter because of the, uh, the, the gala that you have, the... The red, all the red in the gala. So I thought, oh, this will be great. He won't know this means St. Thomas. Boy, what, a, what was I wrong? Uh, but let's go. So you were from Houston. 
When did you join the fire department? How old were you? You know, I first joined the fire department in uh, 2000. Uh, started up north uh, near Austin. I went to the A&M Fire Academy. Uh, went through their program. Uh, went through the EMS certification and got my first job uh, up near Austin. No and, kidding. You know, one of the things back then was uh, there was such a long line of people to get into Houston that, it, you know, the, the notion was always go to wherever you can get a job first. And then my goal was always to come back to work to the greatest fire department uh, in the world, which is the Houston Fire Department. And so I started my career up there and then did exactly what I said. And I came back. How wonderful. Let me ask you this. How hard is the academy? I mean, I mean, do you do you look back and say, boy, because, you know, when you're when you're sort of like my age, because I'm, I'm, I'm older <laughs> than you are, you always look back and say, God, these young kids, they're so much smarter than I was. Do you look back and say, golly, these young got cadets, boy, they are just so with better condition than I was. You know, I, I mean, I mean what, I, what, what do you look back on? I, I went through the academy twice. So once when I was first coming out at, at the A&M uh, fire school and it was grueling, you know, it, it tests your mental capabilities, not just your physical one of the things we talk about in the firefighting world is you never go 100% going into a fire uh, to go get somebody out or to go put a fire out. And people look at me and they say, but Marty, you always do things 100%. Yeah. I said, no, you go 80%. And they said, why is that? I said, because if things go wrong, you need 20% of your energy to get out. Very interesting. And so it's not about, you know, bench pressing one thing one time. Yep. Firefighting is mental. Uh, it is of course, physical, but it is a lot uh, in respects mental. And so I've actually gone through it twice. And then when I came to Houston, went through the Houston Fire Department Fast Track Academy. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, when you get into the groove and the rhythm of, of testing the limits uh, on your body, getting your body conditioned, it's a good thing. Uh, so we like it with anything. If somebody took a, a lot of time off from uh, the financial markets right, right. And, and they came back into it, they need that, that time to to start of relearn, you know, what it is that, that they're doing. And it's no different in firefighting. Yep. But it is extremely um, physically demanding, uh, but it is also mentally demanding as well. Now, I have been in many fire stations. I don't know if I've ever told you that. Here in Houston, I've, I've ridden on uh, trucks in L.A., you know, and um, the one thing about the fire department, in my view, is um, the fact that you're 24-7 – for so many days and then you're off and then you're 24 seven, it really brings this uh, closeness. And I can't think of anything else, but you know, maybe the Marines in a, in a, during wartime, you really need people in that foxhole you can trust. Yeah. I mean, that's, is that, am I Listen, right? I mean, it, that's what it, it, it seems it, like to me. The, the greatest part about firefighting is in my, my 23 year plus career, it does not matter uh, where you're from. Uh, doesn't matter what race, religion, sex you are. Uh, doesn't matter what you believe in. Uh, when the alarm goes off, I can tell you that the Houston Fire Department is one of the most diverse fire departments. Uh, we have uh, the most diverse union uh, board and membership uh, it, nationally. And one of the things that, that I tell people is when the, the alarm goes off, we respond to everybody the same. And the partner to your left and right is your lifeline. And so we're family. And we respond to the citizens on their worst day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We never stop. And so when you're at work, you have to rely on your brothers and sisters to your left and to your right. Yep. Because if something goes wrong, you hope they got that 20% energy to get you out. And you know you're going to do that for them. And I've never met a stronger, more courageous group of firefighters than Houston firefighters, period. Amen. You know, I mean, it, it really is um, an extraordinary thing. And I think the closeness that it, it just develops is part of the reason for the success of the firefighter department because they've got to be close. They've got to rely on each other. They've got to have this incredible trust. It's almost like, uh, although not nearly the same because you're talking about life and death, but on a football field, when somebody's got an assignment, you know, they hope that their teammate will complete their assignment. But if he cannot, they're there to help, right? Right. You're, you're I mean, team. You, team. you're a team. In other words, you may take on your blocker, but if your uh, teammate is having a hard time with their block, you go help them with the block, right? right. Uh, because it's a team. What an incredible thing. Well, let me ask you this. From when you first came into now, how has the fire department evolved? I mean, ignoring 
the hub of today. Sure. Um, has it grown? Um, or do we have more stations? I mean, give me some stats there. Well, a few different areas. Uh, no, we have not increased uh, the number of assets and resources within the Houston Fire Department uh, in well over a decade, and I'd say two decades now. Um, Is that right, let though? Me, let me put this in perspective. And I know that I always tell people, uh, if you ever want to put people to sleep, tell numbers. But I think these numbers are impactful and they mean something. In 2010, we had approximately 4,100 firefighters, give or take about, you know, people retired. Yep. Come on. Um, we were running about 225,000 calls, which is enormous. We're the busiest department in the state of Texas. 225,000 calls? Yeah, for service. Uh, um, a year? A year. So if you divide that, that's like 20,000 calls a month. Yeah. And, and this is from a city that's 650 square miles. We're the third largest municipal fire department in the nation. And in 2022, we've lost 400 firefighters. We have about 3,650. So we're 10% down. And we're running nearly double what the incident load was and the work demand was than in 2010. We're a demand service that lives to serve the public. And the men and women take an oath, and they're going to do whatever it takes to get to them. But this fire department has been critically understaffed and under-resourced. And, and I would say that if you go talk to anybody in any community, because we respond to every community, we love our Houstonians, we love the people that we serve, we send the same response to you no matter where you are and what matters to us as firefighters the most is that we can get to you with the right resources in the right amount of time but you can't do that gilbert if you have if you're running exponentially more calls with less firefighters than you had in 2010 it's unsustainable yeah, you, you don't even have to be a mathematician to figure that one out it's unsustainable uh it is unsustainable well let me ask you this one thing i've noticed is when you look at the, I'm going to turn to my picture here. When you look at the fire department, there are fire stations throughout the city. And I guess that's part of the, the reason that enables you to go quickly to a fire. I, I know, I don't want to say anything about the police department, but the police department doesn't work that way with lots of stations out and about, right? Yeah. They're, they're, and, and why, yeah. you know, I mean, it seems to me y'all have learned the best way to respond is to have things out in the community. Well, Am I missing you something? You have to be in the community. You have to be there. Uh, you, you have to be there uh, on, on people's worst. We don't wish the worst day on people. We want to have a relationship with the community. That's why we have a great relationship with the community. But what I will say is it's not just fires, Gilbert. Uh, you asked about the historical aspect of the fire department. And let me put this in perspective. You know, in the 60s and 70s, uh, a lot of it was just fire. Then they came into EMS and paramedicine. Uh, paramedics, our Houston firefighter paramedics, do, in essence, uh, the same life-saving skills that doctors do in the emergency room when you're in cardiac arrest. We start IVs. We give medications. We treat heart attacks. We teach, treat strokes. Now, we're doing that in the field, not in the atmosphere that we have all of these lights in a controlled environment. We're in an uncontrolled environment. So then you added an EMS as part of uh, the fire department, which is exactly where it should be. Then you started to have issues with hazardous materials becoming an issue. So we had to become uh, the department that is qualified, certified, and able to respond to those. Then you had 9-11. Then we had weapons of mass destruction. That falls on the fire department to respond because if something happens within the communities, it's the fire department. So we've gotten to a point where all of the skill sets of the firefighters in Houston uh, have to be so broad, we have to be proficient in so many things. We have to be certified in so many things. And that's a good thing. The citizen should want that. But at the end of the day, we can't treat the men and women that are putting their lives on the line every day as second-class citizens. That's right. We have to take care of them. And we cannot mathematically make their job almost impossible to do. You know, one of the biggest, uh, one of the best quotes and I'll, I'll send it to you so you can look at it, was Please. Mayor Eric Garcetti, uh, when he took over L.A., what L.A. Fire Department went through, uh, you know, about 10 years ago is exactly what the Houston Fire Department's going through. And he came and spoke to our International Association of Firefighters that represents 330,000 professional firefighters from the U.S. and Canada. And he came to D.C. to meet with all of uh, the leaders. And it was powerful to me, and I continue to listen to this, and he said, you can't... Uh, when he took over as mayor, L.A. had not done right by its firefighters. While the recession hit, they had started to build back up the police department, but they didn't build up the fire department. The same has happened here in Houston. And his words beyond that were that you can't 
very well and in good faith make demands while making it harder for firefighters to do their jobs. You have to invest within the people that are willing to put their lives on the line. And I'll tell you, being down, we've never seen uh, the amount of firefighters ever leave the Houston Fire Department to go to other departments. We've never seen that in the history, let alone see this department down 400 firefighters. The numbers are staggering. The men and women, their morale is at an all-time low. They have not been paid what the voters have, uh, have authorized. They have done everything the right way. And to your earlier point, we don't expect anything different, and we don't expect special treatment. What we expect is fair. And if you're not willing to do that, firefighters are going to stand up every single time because we're a team and we believe in doing what's right. Amen. I, I want to hold on to that thought. We have a call already. Do we have, a, do we have an Yvette there? Is that Yvette? <laughs> Hi, Marty. Hi, Gilbert. Hey, How are you, Yvette? You? I'm good. I'm so happy to here you're on the show today, Marty. It means so much to be representing the firefighter community and the community in general. We we need you out. There. We need to hear from you. We need we need someone on the to speak and uh, have a voice out there for us. Thank well, you. Well, Yvette, your your husband's a firefighter, right? Yes, yes. I know Marty and him used to work back at the station together. I learned all the good things that I ever learned from her from, husband. From her husband? From, from Albert. So, Albert, if you're listening, uh, just remember all the bad things I also learned from Albert. So. Yeah. Well, Yvette, let me ask you this. What's it like being the spouse of a firefighter or fire – do they say fire? a firefighter can be a man fire, or a yeah, woman? We, what's, yeah, what, what's it like being the spouse of a firefighter? Because you sacrifice too, right? Because when they're there on the station – is it three days on, three days off, or explain to me again? Yeah, it's 24 on, 24 off, 24 on in five days. And then, you know, they can go in for an extra shift depending on the schedule. But, you know, as a spouse, <clears throat> I at the beginning, it was new to me, you know, to be uh, introduced to um, the day-to-day -day life of it. And it was a little different, but then I grew on to it. I accustomed myself to it. And until the fire that happened in, uh, was it 20... 13 13 that got me that that's when i started having a little bit more of awareness of like what was happening out there the danger um the experience because my husband could have been on that shift that day he was uh it was the which shift was it marty the c shift or the yeah i just got i was on the d shift i had just gotten off shift uh, remind me of what happened i don't recall what, so what what yvette is is referring to is the darkest day i, I would say and has been quoted in, in Houston Fire Department history, we, it was the Southwest End Fire. We lost five total uh, firefighters were killed in the line of duty. Uh, Captain Iron Bill Dowling uh, was the fifth, and he succumbed to his injuries. He had brain damage and was, uh, was in a wheelchair uh, for years afterwards and, and ultimately passed away. Uh, we had, wow. at, I believe it was 12, had to be medically retired. Uh, they could no longer go on. The, the, the point that I, you know, I want to ask, you know, Yvette is, you know, as a spouse, when you experience that, you know, the, the danger that we don't know exists during the day that we haven't had yet, you know, meaning right. you don't know what calls you're going to go on. Right. And you don't know when the last time you're going to kiss your loved one goodbye. But I guess to Yvette, I mean, when you saw the, the pain and the anguish and the things that we're going through, did it also show you the uh, give a glimpse into to what, the brotherhood of, of what it is that we're going to be there for each other for? Did you get to experience yeah. Yes, 100%. I mean, my husband wasn't on shift that day, but he went to the scene immediately to see what he could do to help, you know, what he could do just to provide anything, any support, because it was horrible. You know, I was in uh, an office building at the time, and I could see the fire from the window. And it was just insane to be like, wow, this is just not... It was just not a good day, you know, obviously for everyone in the community of Houston, the firefighters. But the, afterwards, you know, everyone coming together to support the families that were involved, you know, really meant so much just to see the love and, you know, and everyone just being together at that time because it was horrible. How so after awful. that, you know, it, it changed my, uh, at least my day to day of it because it, it you just kind of, you, you just assume things will be okay, but it's not, you know. So, um, so all in all, you know, I mean, everyone sticks together as a family and we're all here for each other in the fire, in the firefighter, um, the brotherhood that you mentioned, um, we're all together in it. So what, what's it the leading cause 
of the fatalities? Is it burn or is it like smoke inhalation and suffocation in, in, a, in a fire in, in, in a in a terrible event? You know, there's well, it's everything. I suppose. It's everything, but but without getting too too detailed on it, I mean, the our bunker gear has can take up so much heat, and it is hot. Let me just tell you, on a normal fire, it's hot. But what the men and women do, remember, we're in Houston, so you're already sweating and you have this heat right. on. When you're dealing with fire and flames, you're dealing with the fact that you can't see anything. You know, smoke, imagine going in your own house, turning off all the lights, blindfolding yourself, and, and tell yourself to get out. Even if you know the space, it's very difficult. You add in heat and you add in all these other factors, it becomes very, very um, uh, stressful is, is a light term. But... Our gear is rated to protect us from the heat. And once that gear fails, and once we either run out of air, you're talking about smoke inhalation or you're talking about burns, and you're talking about very serious things that happen to the men and women. And again, nobody expects to have an emergency. That's what we're here for to respond to. And no firefighter leaves their family. No firefighter leaves their husband or their wife in the morning and say to themselves, I don't want to come home to you and I don't want to come home to our babies. Mm-hmm. It is something that we all go through, and it's difficult to explain unless you've been right. through it. But a vet uh, has been able to experience what it means in times of tragedy. Uh, tragedy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we always say to the families, and I do, is regardless of what's going on in the political realm, whether somebody is or isn't taking care of our men and women, that we will never forget what they do, and we will do everything to take care of their family. And it's not just lip service. It's not just when the lights are on. Right. It's when everybody... Uh, has paid their respects, and the life that these uh, widows have to go through in their families without their loved one. Why? Because they answered the call to Houstonians to respond to them, and they deserve the respect and the sanctity of the service that they provide. Amen. You know, most people, when there's a crisis, they run away. But firefighters run to the crisis. I mean, imagine the, the mentality of that. I mean, what an incredible um, love for humanity and, and service. Talk about the ultimate of public service. Well, let me ask you something this, and then I want to get into some of the issues. Um, Yvette, thank you for calling in. I really, well, really one appreciate thing it. I'd like to mention Go real ahead. quick, you know, just speaking of the firefighter community, is uh, the recent firefighter, Donovan Apieg, and I know he just experienced, you know, we just experienced an almost could have been a horrible event, but he survived, you know, falling through the roof recently of a fire. And any support that could come in and help him, you know, just from uh, to help his family, to provide any fund support, because uh, that just recently happened here. But probably when, Marty, like about a week ago? Yep, February 4th, a Saturday, and, and yeah, she's uh, referring it to, didn't mean to cut you off, I'm sorry, but Uh-huh. Um, no. Uh, she's talking about Donovan uh, Apiag, who was a two-year veteran. He's a Navy veteran, and he's a two-year Houston firefighter. His wife is a uh, is in the reserves, and they have a one-year-old son. And he was called to a, a fire uh, on a Saturday, and while he was up doing the task and the job that uh, that he swore an oath to do, uh, he fell through the roof. And they have video of it. Uh, somebody captured some video, and the crews pulled him from the roof, from the fires, and pulled him out. And he got second and third degree burns. He's still in the hospital. And wow. from that moment, we make sure that we have somebody there at the hospital dealing with the family to make sure that they're taken care of. And I've spoken with Donovan many times. In fact, he just messaged yesterday um, to to reiterate how thankful and grateful he is for the love and support from Houstonians. Um, we have a, a 501c3 a charitable nonprofit organization that, um, Gilbert, you have been there from the beginning. Uh, it was never existed. Something like this never existed before. And you have been instrumental in helping the men and women uh, throughout the years. And it is a website, houstonsbravest.org. Uh, and you can go to that website and you'll see a photo of, of Donovan that you can go and donate, and all any donations go directly to support and help him and his family. Uh, whatever they need, the last thing they need to be worried about is any financial issues, and he's in pain. But he didn't let the pain overshadow the fact that he wanted the Houstonians. He wanted his native uh, island of Guam, uh, everybody wow. there to know that that is what ke- has kept him going. And he's, been ha- he's had multiple procedures. He still has multiple more. And the courage that this firefighter shows 
uh, is awe-inspiring to me. That's amazing. Well, you know what? Later, would you give me the information? My firm is happy to give $1,000 to that 501c3. That's very good. Thank you very Please, much. Please, I, I, I want to do it. Uh, my goodness. Well, let me ask you this. I, I, Yvette, thank you for calling okay, in and for being you. part Yvette, of the It was good show. to hear your voice. Tell Arbor yeah. I said hi. I know I we have another caller there, but before we do, just give us some tips. I, I'm going to say some things that probably make no sense, but I, I just want to clarify it. If, if there's a fire, what should people do when you're in a home and it's your home, in addition to, of course, call the fire department should you i mean someone told me you get on your knees because the 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 smoke rises and there's more oxygen below is that just myth or mean nope. what are some of the little tips you can share yeah, there's a few things number one uh, without getting too far into the weeds i want to say this houston is very large 650 plus square miles we're not zoned we see a lot of businesses next to residential that's the way that houston was planned right i don't think very well but uh, that's the way that it was planned and so one of the things that is is critical we've seen over the years is smoke detectors save lives number one We've heard it, we, we've been to school, we've heard the messaging. Uh, it is so critically important to make sure that you have a smoke detector. If you don't have one and you can't afford one, you can call the Houston Fire Department, we'll give one and install one for you. Oh, how great. The second part is, is that you always have to have an escape plan. So wherever you're living with your family, always take time out of your day, even if it's just for a couple minutes, to work on your escape plan to know, this is where we're gonna go in case this happens. Because I promise you, in the event of an emergency, it will be muscle memory as opposed to something yep. that is chaotic and you don't know what to do. So you always want to get low. Getting lower is where the cooler air is. Heat rises. You can see more on the floor and it's cooler. That's why you see firefighters crawling. Because even though we're wearing our special uh, protective suits, it is still very hot. And so the lower we get, the cooler it is. And you always want to make sure that get the family out safe. Don't worry about the things. The things can be replaced. You can't. In fact, over the Christmas holidays, we lost too many uh, to uh, fatalities and fires. We also rescued a lot from fires. Fires in Houston are not down. They're up. Wow. The notion uh, seems to be and, and has been that because we've incorporated dis different aspects into the fire department, the EMS, the mm -hmm. hazmat, um, the demand for what we're here for, we're sort of an insurance policy, if you will, that you never want to cash. But when it's your time or it, your loved one, if God forbid something ever happens to them, the sweetest sound you will ever hear are the sirens coming. Amen to, to that. I, I mean, I, I have been blessed in that I haven't really had emergencies you know in my life but but i can only imagine or maybe i can't imagine but i can only imagine well so let's just go through that again houston number one get smoke detectors if you don't have one the fire department will get you one um number two go low yep right go low number three have your escape plan That's right. uh, i know i don't have my order right but have your escape plan even if you just say if i'm in the kitchen and a fire's there at the stove I need to go out the back door or the front door. I mean, just just know something that simple. So when it happens, it's um, it's like training. It's automatic. So you don't panic. I guess another one is just don't panic. It's it's easy to say uh, don't panic. And, and I can tell you, people always ask me, the biggest thing they ask is, so, do you ever get scared? And my answer is yes. I'm scared all the time. The difference being is that you have to take calculated risks in order. What we say is you you risk a lot to save a lot. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you put yourself in the best position. But anybody that says that uh, they're fearless, uh, you don't want as your partner as a firefighter. You want people to recognize the signs around you because there's things that we know and we see that the general public doesn't. But as parents, if you have kids or if you have a loved one, the biggest thing you can do for them is to talk about it. Even having this conversation right here maybe makes one person think to themselves, okay, just to have that talk because if you don't, this is what potentially could happen. You and I have a conversation that says something happens. We're going to meet out in the hallway. We're going to keep saying that all the time. We're going to keep saying that. If we don't have that conversation and you go into this hallway and I go out to the stairwell, you don't know if I'm still inside. Mm. And then all it takes are seconds. Seconds. Seconds between, I guess, life and death. 
Life I mean, it's death, really that it's really that dramatic. When we say seconds matter in our line of work, it's not political rhetoric or hyperbole. It is literally seconds that make the difference of whether or not we can save you, whether that's a heart attack, whether that's a stroke, whether that's a fire. Fires grow exponentially. They don't grow linearly. They don't grow like the old days of, I mean, you'd probably be much better at algebra than I, <laughs> I would be. But, you know, it's not the, the X squared. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not the doubling. It's the exponential. What we've seen over the last 30 years with the invention of plastics and the invention of lightweight materials, without boring your audience to death, this is what I'm going to say. They can build a house faster and cheaper now. The problem, though, is a lot of times what they're using and trust construction. If you see these prefab plates that they put up, they're putting up these houses in no time flat. They're the, the, the ability for it to be structurally sound is fine unless and until there is fire impinging on it. Then it fails at an exponentially larger rate. Wow. And, and so it is something that, again, we hope you never need the fire department, but all you ever need to do is need us one time. That's right. For you to understand. And we hope nobody ever has to deal with it. Hold on. Hold on to that thought because we have two callers already. Is there a Linda on the line? Yes, there's a Linda on the line. Miss Linda, <laughs> this is Gilbert Garcia of A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer with Mr. Marty Langton of the Houston Firefighters. Hi, Linda. Yes. How are you doing, Marty? And, Marty, I'm going to start with the first thing. Of course, I have always had great eyes for the fire department from elementary school when I had my handkerchief pinned on my collar and they would come and they would explain to us. And of course, as a teacher, when we had to have regular fire drills and the fire department would come out and have assemblies to the kids. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But what I couldn't understand was how the union only seemed to have spats, these public spats, and, and excoriate our mayors, Mayor Lee Brown and Mayor Turner. And they skipped over Anise Parker, Whitmire. Uh, they sure knew better than to tangle with, uh, I'm about to call his name, Lanier. They knew better than to tangle with him, but they only come out. And then when we had our fire this Saturday, we didn't have a fire. Uh, a neighbor in our subdivision, his car, these ignitions, his car, uh, car starts a fire in the garage, and just about half his house burnt down. And that just made us so reminiscent of when the fire department would come to our neighborhoods, our kind of neighborhoods, and uh, they never had the equipment, they never had anything, but they watched houses burn. Mm -hmm. And it took an awful long time. I went home, I got calls because I'm the block captain. We've all, everyone had called and called and called, and the fire department did not get there expeditiously. Another thing is to compare you to the police department. When a police department, I know this from CPS, when I worked at CPS, the force police officer has, can leave the area. If there are children there, he must make sure that there is a criminal background check. All of these things have elevated because society has changed. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a criminal background check if the parents are being arrested, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I also know because I have students that are, are police officers. One guy who, uh, one of them, he, he, the three fellas, they, they were shot and one died. Uh, it's just not the same job as police officers. It just isn't. That's like saying that a teacher has the same job as a principal. Okay? And that's, those are my issues. Wow. Number one, you never, get, you never seem to want to get public with it until you have a mayor like Turner or Lee Brown. Well, first you of leave, all, okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Go you ahead. Know what, and the next thing is, is that your job is not concomitant to police officers. Police officers just got shot, stabbed in the cheek. Every week you have a police officer being harmed and then taken off the job. It's nowhere near the same job. You don't have to clear an area. You don't have to secure students, the children. You do it if you want to, but you, you're not responsible.
responsible. It's not part of your job. Your job is to put out the fire. Thank you so much. Thank you well, so much. Well, Linda, thank you. Thank you for your I, – I think the question is um, – you know, they're both, not the question, they're both dangerous jobs, right? They're just both dangerous jobs, and they're both public servants, and they're both first responders, and they both leave, and they may, and it could be their last day, right? Mm -hmm. they, they both leave and go to work. Where else do you go to work, and it could be your last day? Right. And I think there are so many similarities but I, but I hear the concept of they're different, and they're, they are different. But it's kind of like saying there are certain football players that catch the ball and score touchdowns, and there are some that throw the ball, and then there's some that run with the ball. But at the end of the day, they're all dangerous. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I actually appreciate, and, and I want to thank, uh, yeah, thank you for calling in. I, I am absolutely, you know, okay with, with you know, different viewpoints. And I'm actually – I love – to hear people's different points of view. And, you know, my goal is never to be right. It is to try to educate and answer the questions the best way I can. So I, I really want to uh, say thank you because there's nothing that we do or that the firefighters have done that we are absolutely not okay with and that we don't want to get uh, the information to the public. So on the first part, um, I, would, I would say that, uh, well, first off, I would say that I was not the president at the time, but I think that uh, the last mayor probably didn't enjoy a whole lot of uh, help or appreciation from uh, the firefighters for a number of reasons because of the issues we're having. So um, it it under uh, the former mayor. Uh, but want to also remind people we've been friends with this mayor, you know, for 27 years. We we were friends with him and supported him in the state house, and we were the first group to support Mayor Turner before anybody else in 2015. Nobody else except I, I, the firefighters. And not only did we do that, but the firefighters put thousands of firefighters on the street, blocked walked for Mayor Turner because of what it is that they believed. And he knew the issues dealing with the firefighters. So I want to be clear. Uh, and I've said this repeatedly. Firefighters always want to work with people. But we started out not only supporting, but we were the ones uh, that were there. I was there at his campaign headquarters in 2015. I was there every Saturday, and we were there uh, because we believed in what he was doing. I, re I remember that like yesterday. I would make the case, so you don't have to. I'll make the case. I believe that had it not been the firefighters' support, he wouldn't be mayor. Remember, it, the, the vote was that close. It was, it was separated it was, it by was, about 4,000 firefighters, which is how many? I mean, 4,000 votes. Votes, which, which is how many firefighters fire, but yeah. That's exactly right. I didn't mean to interrupt you, though. No, 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 no. And so I, I just, I want, as with anything, I never want to take away from people's point of view, but um, I love and respect everybody. And the, the issues that the firefighters are dealing with didn't start, and I've been very clear, didn't start under this mayor. They started the, really the last one. Um, and our focus, though, is we can't just shift blame. We have to fix a problem. And my focus and goal is firefighters will continue to go out there and respond to the citizens on their worst day no matter what. It doesn't matter whether somebody agrees or disagrees. But we didn't ask for any fight. What we asked for was to follow the law and to respect the rights of firefighters. I can't speak for other people. But I can tell you that uh, if anybody, and I think she had mentioned she was a teacher, you know, we're, we're out here trying to support the teachers and their right to have collective bargaining, and the firefighters in Houston have collective bargaining. This mayor, first mayor in the history of the city of Houston, or it, to my knowledge, to the state of Texas, has ever challenged the rights of labor to have collective bargaining in Texas. And how, and how did that happen? I mean... Collective bargain is the very essence of, of labor, labor. Yeah. right? The, and the, and the, nobody disagrees, by the way. I mean, the Texas AFL-CIO, the National AFL-CIO, there is no organization locally, statewide, or nationally uh, that is not supportive of our positions. So it's not about the individual. It's the positions he's taken. And the firefighters have had to spend a lot of money defending their rights in court. And we were just in the Supreme Court in November. It was this administration that pushed to overturn what the citizens of Houston have voted in 
in 2003. Let's hold that thought because yeah. I think that's very important. And I think Miss Linda, I wish she were still on. But but let's go to that because I, I want to go through the, the concept of how did we get here. Yeah. But, but but I know we have two more calls. Is there a Jess on the line? Yes, sir, Mr. Gilbert. First of all, Mr. Lincoln, thank you for your service and all firefighters. Thank you. I have uh, two brother-in-laws that are firefighters. And I know you have a very powerful union and you're very uh, involved with the candidates. But the, my question is, do you plan to endorse a mayoral candidate early before all the candidates announce in April? Or do you, are you going to you know, do it ahead of time like the Houston Police Department and endorse your candidate ahead of schedule? And I'll sh uh, hang up and listen. <laughs> Well, thank well, you, Jess. Th thank you for the Jess. That's I, not a setup. I, I, I know. I always like no, the, the direct. I always do. Yeah. Listen, I, I am okay with direct questions. The answer is I'm I'm going to sound like a politician here, but uh, we have a process, and that process uh, is not one person. It's not me. Uh, that process is uh, democracy uh, within our union. Like I said, we have the most uh, diverse union leadership we've ever had in the history, uh, and we embrace it. And so what we will do is going to follow the process uh, that, not me, not one person, that's kind of the point of all this. We're, we're not supposed to be uh, instilling things. Every decision we make and what we do is elected representatives, is the membership having a say-so, having a voice, but having a process. We ask for a process to be fair. I tell our team and our leadership every day, we cannot ask for fair if we are not willing to do the same. We would be hypocrites. So everything we do follows a process. That process I can't get into right now other than to tell you that, um, you know, we utilize the same process um, every time. And we believe in being fair, being right, and being just, and, uh, and we'll follow it. But, Jesse, thank you for the question. We have another question. Hold on there, Marty, and then we'll get to what I want to get back to. Uh, was there another name? I thought I saw another name there, Miss Producer. Is there a Sophia on the line? Sophia. Sophia, are you there? Sophia. Hello, Sophia. Oh, no. I may have lost you, Sophie. If I may call you Sophie, Sophie. Yeah, one Sophie, you there? A tip one. Sophia, are you there? I think I lost you. She'll, she'll call back. So, Martin, let's, let's go to Miss Linda's uh, the very essence of her question, which is really, I think, what we want to talk about today, although we're going to come to where we are as an update versus sort of how do we get So we supported Mayor Turner, hmm? and then we got, I guess, crosswise on some of the normal, normal give and take of uh, labor management type issues. Well, but how did it escalate? Well, I, you know, it didn't escalate. Without, we have the process. So the, the let, me, let me go back and... and yeah, please do. So under state law, uh, there are only two public entities, and we're trying to, to work with the teachers because teachers and firefighters have to stick together, about um, having rights under what's called collective bargaining. And if you know anything about labor, anybody's been part of a union, that is the bedrock principle of labor, which is you, you have a seat at the table, but it's a right. It's not permissive. It's in essence, um, if, if something were to happen to you and a police officer were uh, to arrest you, you have rights that are given or inherent. They're not given by that individual officer. Uh, they can't be taken away. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. So in labor, because we are public, because we are emergency responders, we cannot strike. And there is a process under the law that firefighters have rights for. And it says that you have to follow this, and once you get to a point that the process hits the 61st day, by law, you're at impasse, which means that you could agree, we have more than one article in our contract regarding, it's not just pay, in fact, that's one article. Health and wellness, uh, insurance, things that affect the men and women. Uh, but when you get to that, there's a process laid out, and it says, listen, follow the process to a resolution, because you have to have a resolution. You have to have a resolution. And so we followed that process, and what this administration did was ask the courts to declare our rights unconstitutional. Not to say, if I think it's 10, Gilbert, you think it's 5, to allow the third party to say it's 2 or 5 or 8. 
We've said on record, we are okay with an independent person looking at the facts and weighing them up because it's not personal. It does affect our members' lives. I don't take things personally, but what is personal to me is how it affects the men and women who put their lives in line every day and how it affects their families. They have to work minimum two and three jobs just to support their families. Well, that's not Let okay. me interrupt for a second. So, um, so we're at an impasse. Sure. So the impasse, there's certain, uh, you use the word article, so I'm going to use that word. Sure. Certain issues, right, articles. And the process says what? That after so many days, what happens? At, after 60 days, if there is not a contract in place, by law, you're at impasse. Within five days, you have to notify the city uh, that you want to go to what's called binding arbitration. And binding arbitration is what we call permissive. That portion of the law is we ask for it, the city has to agree to it. This was in 2017. If the city would have agreed to go to binding arbitration, we would have had a contract in place by th three neutral arbitrators by July 1st, 2017, before our contract ever expired. So let me ask, so right now you don't have a contract. We don't have a contract. So let's go back for a second, because this is very important, I think, for people to know the issues. Mm -hmm. So then, again, the process is there. The process said binding arbitration. And binding arbitration means the city picks someone, mm -hmm. the firefighters pick someone. And they pick a third. And then the two pick a third. That's right. And then I guess you all make, like a court, you make your case. Mm -hmm. And the three of them say whatever they're going to say, and the city and the firefighters agree going in. Whatever they agree, we will accept. And it's for one year. It's only and so. And it's only for one it's year. Only for one year. And you're back at the table negotiating the next year. The law was designed to protect the men and women. It's only for one year. Well, what's all the hubbub? But I I don't know why I thought it was. I did not realize it's only for we, one year. We're at still an impasse in the court. So instead of following that, and what the law says is if the city refuses, meaning they don't agree to go to that third neutral panel, then the law says that they can't refuse to have a judge decide. Okay. So it's either three independent neutral arbitrators or a judge. The city said, we don't want three independent arbitrators, we want a judge. But instead of asking the judge to uh, weigh up their set of facts that say, we think you you should be at 10 and we think you should be at 15 and let the judge decide the city took a position that floored everybody nationally uh, comes to labor the teachers everybody and they instead filed a motion to say that our rights are unconstitutional and we don't have and deserve to have a right to a contract which is the very essence and of how the can law. I, but that just it's like how can that be because what, I mean, they just think you can work at will without that, a contract at all? That's, that's you know, I don't know. I mean, what, I guess that's the end result. That's the end result because, uh, you know, in, let me put it this way. If, if the administration would have prevailed in their arguments, and we're waiting for the Supreme Court to, to weigh in, um, though, that's the provision that says firefighters can't strike. There has to be a mechanism. You give up the right to strike so you have an a right. impasse resolution. That's, that's right. So at the end of the day, what really matters is that instead of resolving the problem, um, people decided to throw gasoline on it. Now, our firefighters have had to defend those rights since 2017. The city has lost in district court. We sent a letter saying, let's stop, let's sit down, let's go to binding arbitration. We went to the appellate courts. The city lost. We said, stop, let's sit down, let's go to binding arbitration. They appealed again, went to the Texas Supreme Court, and then we just had hearings in the Texas Supreme Court in late November. All of this to tell you, there have been so many off-ramps that we have offered this administration repeatedly, genuine, real offers, and they have refused. Now, it's going back to Miss Linda, it's never gotten to this before, right? Or has never, it? Ever, I mean, in the history. Even whatever with Mayor Brown, whatever with Mayor Parker, whatever with Mayor White, the point is, this is different. This is 100% different. It was 100% preventable, and we're not the ones driving. We're, not, we're, we're the pastors. We're defending the rights, mm -hmm. meaning I couldn't, if, if you said, Marty, I want you to stop this right now, I couldn't take down the city's lawsuit against us for anything. Yeah. And so it puts people in a position to where there's a perception that some would probably have that it is a personality thing. It's not. I'm, I'm a very... Um, direct and very honest individual. I don't believe in trying to paint a different picture than what the truth is. I let other people look at the objective facts. 
let them weigh up what they think. But they have to be able to look at the objective facts. Otherwise, we're just politicizing something that should never be politicized. And all I heard when I just heard you go through all this and the first court, the second court, the third court is like legal fees, legal fees, legal fees. Am, yes. am I missing something? No. I mean, and, and, the, and the end result is still the same as if they would have just gone to arbitration in 2017. And, and the taxpayers are on both sides, really, because yes. firefighters, you're spending your money, which mm -hmm. is essentially taxpayer money, because we pay, you know, you work for the city, and the city's paying their money, which is taxpayer money, because we pay for the city and all the legal department. At the end of the day, the, the, the taxpayers are on both sides. Well, listen, it's just not a way to, to address anything. It's not a way to, to work things out with people. Um, you know, we've had meetings with... You know, city council members with uh, ex-mayors, actually. Um, you know, nobody looked, has looked at this objectively and said that what we're saying is not uh, accurate. We're not intending, we don't need to, to, to fan any more flames to a bonfire that got lit right. uh, from this administration. But at the end of the day, what's right is right, what's wrong is wrong. And our members are representative of the city of Houston. We have the most diverse fire department. And my job is to represent the men and women who are willing to put their lives on the line every day. Doesn't and, matter who it's coming from. And so somewhere along the line um, came the whole pay parity. And what's interesting about pay parity, and I'm a big believer of the will of the voters. When I was at Metro, the will Everybody, of the voters. That's well, a well, basic core well, tenet it, of it our really, democracy. It really is, right? Yeah. It, I mean, it really is. And I'm a big believer, whatever the voters say, we as whoever the elected officials are, need to implement the will of the voters. Right. It wasn't even close. It was, well, it, listen. I mean, right? I mean, no, it what wasn't. was the vote so, again? It wasn't even close. On a, on a different track, I think, you know, it's, it's notable to say that, you know, the citizens of Houston came together and submitted a petition. 60,000 signatures in just over seven days set a state of Texas record. Come on. The, the threshold is 20,000. To say we want to be able to weigh in on this issue. This administration delayed the vote. We had to sue to get them to count the petitions. We won. Then they put the petitions on the ballot uh, for a vote in 2018. And there was a massive campaign uh, put together by this administration and millions of dollars to campaign against its own firefighters. And they lost. That's how we settle our differences at the ballot box. But that's not where it ended. Two weeks later, the mayor hired uh, a outside law firm to sue to overturn the vote of the people. That case was also before the Supreme Court on the same day as the other case. So at the end of the day, the point is, every step of the way, the firefighters continue to do what is right. We continue to play by the rules, and we're going to continue to respond to the citizens. But I will not tolerate, and I will not be okay with people bullying our firefighters, with people saying and dismissing the issues, our men and women, we've lost too many in the line of duty. They go out there every single day. That question has been answered by the citizens. Overwhelmingly, it was approved. So whether you were on one side or the other, just like when you vote a new mayor, you may not have voted for that candidate who won they're still your mayor that's right so at the end of the day people that want to um, go around the basic right of democracy which is to petition your government that's how we settle our differences and this administration threw gasoline on that fire as well well let's go through this so what's going on with the ledge now so now um, we have had a bill last session um, that representative Marian Perez uh, who is by the way Wonderful. Just She's an amazing yeah. um, individual and happens to be a mother of a Houston firefighter, understands the issues, uh, carried a bill last session that we had 95, 96 co-sponsors uh, to require the city to stop this fight against its firefighters and to sit down and to go to binding arbitration. Um, we were about, I think, 10, 12 bills out from the, from the deadline from voting. We had the, the votes. Uh, this session, uh, the So it didn't pass last it, time. It did not pass. Okay. And the dean of the Texas Senate, John Whitmire, uh, who supported it last session, is carrying that bill right now. On the Senate side. On the Senate side. Is Marianne on the House and side, she's too? she's going to carry it on the House side. And the, the, 
what we're getting at is this isn't a Republican or Democrat issue. Uh, we have bipartisan support because it's real. It's objective. It's not meant to uh, put anybody else in a position other than to resolve a problem. Does this go on in other fire departments in other cities here in Texas? Absolutely. Uh, not only does San Antonio firefighters uh, have the same type issue, they have binding arbitration. Uh, the city of Austin has binding arbitration. But have they exercised binding yeah. arbitration? San, so, San Antonio so it, has. So it no. has worked. It has absolutely worked. The process worked. worked. And not only that, but to go to the point, every other major U.S. city has pay parity. In fact, uh, Is New, that York, right? New York, L.A., Chicago all have pay parity. With, with the cops, not to mention that in the 70s, when HPD couldn't get a pay raise because they had issues with the mayors at the time, we walked and marched on City Hall to make sure that they were taken care of. And we had pay parity from the 70s until the early 2000s when it was broken. So the reality is, is that this is not some something that's, uh, you know. This is not new. This is not new. Arbitration absolutely works. Um, it's supported by... Uh, again, the national labor, uh, state labor, local labor. There's nobody that doesn't. Uh, I mean, so who could be against it? I mean, what, what, what's on the other other than, well, the mayor, right? But when you think about in the ledge, who could stand up and say, well, we don't want that? No, nobody. I mean, we had right? We had a number. Uh, like I said, we had close to 100, and we weren't even done with people signing on to it. The support is you, you have to fix a problem. You can't ignore a problem. If you ignore a problem, it doesn't go away. But as we say that, um, you know, the, the the dean of the Texas Senate has said, I'm going to carry this. I'm going to make Good this priority I mean, legislation. And I'll tell you what, uh, firefighters are appreciative uh, that somebody is willing to stand up and to uh, and to push this through. So it's 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 here. It's Senate Bill 763. Uh, we're appreciative of it, and the firefighters deserve it. That's how they should have been treated all along. So let's pretend it happens. Walk me through the sequence. It becomes, let's just pretend, it becomes law, the governor signs it in, I don't know, the summer. Let's just pretend. So then what happens? Well, you know, that's a good question. I'm, let's get there. I mean, we'll get find, this thing okay. passed. Yeah. Not, yeah. not that we're going to. I understand. It's probably for a longer, but. But know, I'm just our, curious. I guess at some point, if it passes and it becomes law, comes the old-fashioned, all right, firefighters, you pick someone. City, you pick yeah, someone. It, it's in the statute. It, it happens. It's already in the statute now. So the only thing that's different about this bill than what we're talking about is that the, the city can't say no. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that this bill does is say instead of saying no, you don't want to go to arbitration, you have to go to arbitration because, again, it's either a third neutral party arbitration panel or it's a judge that decides. Either way, the end result is the same, but you're not wasting mm -hmm. millions of taxpayer funds in firefighters without a contract since 2017. Has City Hall come out against this bill? Uh, or, I mean, have they been taking a position? I, I, or, or is this, in many ways, they're out? So it can look like they're not for something, but just let it happen. Because you cannot just let this keep going. No. You it, cannot. You, you're, you're losing. Gonna you're going to have no firefighters yeah, left. Yeah, you're going to have 1,000 for a 40. You need 4,000 people. We needed, and the city commissioned a study in 2015 it was actually done by mayor anise parker prior to, to mayor turner uh, the city paid for it with your tax dollars five hundred thousand dollars that said their own study the city of houston fire department when they were gave the report in 2016 that we were vastly understaffed and under-resourced we needed 35 additional full-time ambulances five new fire stations to respond to the citizens and the needs that they have fire engines hazmat units ladder trucks and the city took it and threw it in the trash. Golly. So this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't hyperbole and rhetoric. This is the truth. And the truth has to matter. Wow. Well, you know what? You're not going to believe this. An hour has passed. That felt like did, two minutes. Did, didn't I tell you? When you first arrived and you said, well, who else is me? I said, it's me and you for an hour. And you said, an hour? Yeah. But see, here's the thing. Uh, we're going to hear our song. We'll have a couple of minutes on social media. You can look into Houston. These are the legendary Clark sisters, and the song is called Victory. In many ways, I'm going to dedicate this victory to the Houston firefighters because at the end of the day, you know, they've been out there, the everyday firefighter that doesn't know all that politics, all they know is they want to just help people. And they just see that there's more and more work. They don't have enough people. Uh, they're not, you know, I don't know if, if the morale, it's got, you said, it's got to be terrible. 
uh, or low. This is the worst it's ever been yeah. in the Houston Fire Department history. And, and, and they should be proud. And we as citizens, we want them to be proud because if they're proud, they'll just do that much better for all of us. I really think, Marty, you have been great on this show. You've been great to frame the issues up very clearly, succinctly, and, uh, and very objectively. You know, you've been very, very fair, and that's the Marty Langton that I know. Let's hear this song. While we come to the very end here, Marty, I want to give you a minute here on radio, and then we'll have a minute or two on social media. What do you want to say to Houston? You can look right into the camera. Houston, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, you have always supported the Houston firefighters and paramedics. We never take that trust for granted. We're going to continue to go out there, and we're going to continue to respond to you on your worst day no matter what. And we want to thank you. Thank you for supporting us. We're going to get through this together. And with God in control, there's nothing that will ever stop us. Amen. Amen. I love that. We declare victory over your life. Every now and then it's hard to see, but you got to decree and see victory. We declare victory. Don't be dismayed. God knows your need, but you got to decree and see victory victory the clark sisters are unbelievable because they've been famous gospel singers are you ready for this since like the 1960s i was just going through their um their history and there's five of them what an incredible incredible story they've have 20 albums uh, they continue to put out great great music even to this day so let's just enjoy we'll stay on social media another minute or two sophie i know you dropped i know you're back on and you may have dropped again but, Sophie, if you want to uh, call us back, we'll get you on the social media side. Or please call again. I'm sorry for that uh, uh, dropping there on you earlier. I want to thank all our callers. Uh, a couple of guests I'm going to be having shortly. I'm going to have Stephen Kleinberg, Dr. Kleinberg, to talk about Houston and all of its uh, growth and all of its activities and everything else. He is just a true gem of a person and a real Houston treasure. So we're on KWWJ, KYOK, KCOH, Aliento Radio, San Geet, every Monday from 11 to 12. Call in, call in, call in, 832-570-8075. This is the People's Station. All right. We're now on social media there, Marty. Do we have um, Sophie back or no? All right. Well, Miss Sophie, if you're still on social media, uh, you know, we apologize for losing you there. And we've had just a splendid hour that felt like five minutes uh, with labor union leader, Mr. Marty Langton of the fire, Houston firefighters. And we had some very good questions. We even had one of my colleagues whose husband's a firefighter. And we got a very interesting perspective from the spouse of a firefighter. Because again, it takes a certain amount of love and support to say to your husband or your wife, all right, honey, I love you. You know, have a great day at the office. And what if it's the last day? I mean, you know, what if it's the last day? Well, that's that's kind of the point is, is you know, it. one of the best quotes that I ever was told by one of our board members, he says, you know, you're not paying firefighters and police officers for the job that they necessarily do every single day or every moment of right. every day. You're paying for them for the job that they're willing to do. Right. And that's to put their lives in line. And it goes back to you used a word, or I, th I thought you did about insurance. You mm -hmm. said something like, you don't want to cash that insurance policy. or You made reference to that. I mean, the whole point about insurance is you don't want to use insurance. But when you need it and your house floods or your house burns, I mean, what's the first thing you do? You turn to your insurance. Okay. So if there's a stove fire or your son or daughter is is, you know, I don't know the right word, flatlining there on the, on the floor and they're having a heart attack. What do you do? You call in that insurance policy and that's the Houston Fire Department. And they're there like that because they've already learned the model. Let's have fire stations throughout the community because 660 square miles is enormous. It is. And that doesn't even include traffic and lights and, you know, all the problems we have all just with, with roads. At the end of the day, you got to be there. Because a minute or two is a difference between life and death. Yep. Uh, so, Marty, real quick, um, where do you think this is finally going to go uh, here? Are you optimistic through the courts? Are you optimistic through the legislature? Or just in general, somewhere, one of these pathways is going to reach a crescendo, and we're going to have some sanity back and some um, finality 
that can give the firefighters the security that they need and deserve, the citizens some sort of closure, and we can just sort of get back to building the department. Right. Well, you just said it best, uh, you know, building it back up. This is a world-class fire department, and we don't need to be destroying it from within. We need to be building it up. Amen. And uh, what I will tell you is, is that uh, the answer is all of them. We are going to get finality in all of them because what is righteous and what is right and what the firefighters have done has not is not they didn't have to lie they didn't have to cheat they didn't have to steal uh in order to get the things that they're entitled to that they have a right to that we should be absolutely happy to be taking care of the men and women because that's what the citizens assume is happening and so on all fronts i think that we're going to see the courts i think we're going to see the legislature and we're going to see that the focus is and should be on building back a world-class fire department. Amen. Well, count me in on that one. Uh, and I congratulate uh, the dean. I congratulate Marianne Pettis. I congratulate her for the first time around uh, because, you know, like anything else, if you can't get some sort of rational people at the table, well, you got to find a way to, to, to really move forward. Right. And this might be the way. So I want to just say, and I'm going to give you the last minute. You can think what you want to say there, Marty. I just want to tell everyone at Houston, thank you for listening. I know it was a holiday Monday, but we had a couple of calls. I thought it was great. I had a wonderful time this weekend. My mother-in-law came to town and my mother-in-law's sister. So that's my wife's aunt. And we had a great time at our church gala. My wife and I are very involved in that. We had the NAACP event. That was great. And so we had a lot of activity. My daughter, who runs my life, it's so strange <laughs> to see her. She's 16, Marty. And now her friends, this is now like the third weekend in a row, they went out for lunch and they all drove their own cars. Um, you know, my, my daughter uses her brother's car. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm just scared every moment because, uh, you know, like anything else, anything can happen. She know. got her license. She turned 16. Um and she, she, Marty, she turned 16, she got her license, and she had her first fender bender in four days. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, better I mean, to be a fender. Listen, get it out of, what do they say about, you know, people who ride motorcycles? Yep. They say two kinds of motorcycle riders, ones that have fallen and ones that will fall. I would rather take a small fender bender and know that that, we don't want to do that again. Well, so. I tell you, we, we don't want to do it again. I love her, and I told you, yeah, there's a picture from the uh, NAACP gala, and I said, uh, honey, I said, uh, don't worry because you're safe. And that's all that matters. Yes. So, Marty, one more time, I thank you for being here. Say what you want here to the to Houston. You're on social media now. Of course, this will be recorded and it'll be stored. It'll be out there for everyone to see. Uh, last words into the camera, my friend. Listen, I'm going to reiterate what we had said before. Uh, you know, firefighters know that the Houstonians support them, and it is not lost on the men and women. They're struggling. Uh, the morale is at an all-time low. And we have to take care of the men and women that are out there protecting us. And really, a message for the citizens is this. We're here for you, and we thank you for always being there for us. We're going to get through this together. We love you, Houston. We wouldn't be out there doing what we do if we didn't take an oath to not only protect you, but also be here for each other's to be our brother's keeper. Thank you, Houston. Amen. All right, let's tee up my uh, commercial there, Mr. Producer, and we'll call it a wrap. This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Listen to my radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 a.m. till noon on Houston's Gospel Leader, KWWJ. 1360 AM and streaming live on. All right, Houston, let me just say as this plays, we appreciate it and we'll see you next time. 1140 AM and streaming live on KYOKradio.org. KCOH, 1230 AM, The Source. On San Geek Radio, 95.1 FM, 1460 AM. And Aliento Radio, 101.7 FM and 1540 AM. Call in at 832 570-8075 and follow me on social media. See you then.